0: Folks, it's good to have you on board again. Welcome to the latest edition of our Generation Podcast. And with me in the studio today is a dear friend, Phil Stogner. Uh, Phil is with us. He's seconded to the Free Church of Scotland uh, for a few years, and he's working with Glasgow City, which is one of our churches in St. Vincent Street in Glasgow. Uh, Phil, you, you work with MTW. Can you tell, tell the folks what MTW is?
1: Well, thank you. It's great to be here with you, David. Uh, MTW stands for Mission to the World, And that is our mission-sending agency for the Presbyterian Church in America, the PCA. And you know that you're a good, card-carrying Presbyterian if you know all of the initials. So we're here from uh, the PCA through the MTW now uh, working uh, to serve the FCOS.
0: Excellent. Well, it's great to have you. And uh, we'll get going ASAP. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Phil, you're a a missionary. Hmm. That's a really evocative name. I mean, Hmm. we associate in the old days missionaries going to like Africa and Asia, South America, places like that. You're coming from the US to Scotland. Is it the same do the same principles obtain?
1: A um, little bit different, I think. Uh, with the passage of time, you are correct that uh, to say that we're a missionary in Scotland uh, can sound a little like um, you're a country in need of of, of evangelists and uh, others uh, because you're not uh, you're you're just in want of of missionaries to come and evangelize. But mission living, missional churches, uh, mission uh, lifestyle, that's that's a term that's all the rage right now. But in essence, we're all to live our life on mission. And a missional life or a missionary is one who is a servant, who is heeding the call and perceiving opportunities to serve in Christ's kingdom and to serve his church wherever they're led. We came four months ago because we were we saw opportunities to come and to serve, uh, particularly at Glasgow City Free Church and in the Presbytery of Glasgow and Argyll. So we come not as any expert or any evangelist, we come as servants sure. to serve the bride of Christ.
0: Now, I know your story a little bit, but just going back perhaps just a year or 18 months, Scotland was not a new situation for you. You had a right. little bit of experience. Tell us about that.
1: Right. We, um, it began for us. We, uh, My wife and I, Wendy, have a history in church planting. Uh, God has given us three opportunities to plant three churches in the United States. And after approaching 35 years of ministry, we took a sabbatical in Gerlach in the Highlands. And that was the summer of 2017. And while we were there, we had an opportunity to uh, preach and to teach and to work with a number of the smaller congregations there in the highlands of Kinloch U and Torridon and Gearlock, Alt Bay, Pool U. And it was a wonderful experience. Now, it was a sabbatical, mm-hmm. and we fell in love with both the culture and the people. And as we returned to Charleston, South Carolina, we... we really had uh, a fresh and an awakening prayer for Scotland. I believe for the longest time in America, we, as your brothers and sisters in Christ, have romanticized Scotland. And it was during that summer that I saw uh, the fight that you have, the, the strength that you have in your faith, uh, particularly in this very secular culture and society. I was quite inspired by that and went back and was very prayerful and very eager to resource and courage to serve in any way, particularly the Free Church of Scotland. We were then approached uh, by MTW about um, any interest on our part to have a conversation with the Free Church about what it might look like to return and to serve, particularly to serve the pastors and their congregations with every desire to strengthen them to have a faithful walk with Jesus Christ and a fruitful ministry. And I think that would probably sum up what our real key in uh, service is, is we would want to encourage and be of any resource to assist people in their faithful walk with Christ, in their fruitfulness uh, yeah. of ministry.
0: It seems to me that you're quite adaptable. I mean, you serve briefly in Gerloch, which is in the Highlands, and then you're working just now from Glasgow City, which is located right in the very centre of, of yeah. Glasgow. Uh, I know that one of your church plants was in Utah, yes. which is a very distinctive state. Yes. and uh, Where else did you, did you serve, and was is there a similar diversity in your past ministry?
1: I would say that all three were diverse, uh, three separate communities, three separate cultures, three separate regions in the U.S. Our first church plant was in Florida, which is a distinct culture in and of itself. And we had a real privilege when we planted the church in Florida to be a part of a presbytery that had a great vision for church planting. Okay. And so we really felt like that was an area that we were given every encouragement and resource by men in that presbytery coming alongside of us as they saw a church plant is not simply on the back of a church planter, but it was, it was the presbytery. They were in it J- together. Just a note
0: for some of our, our listeners, a presbytery is like a cluster of local congregations that work together. Yeah, in, in one specific region.
1: Yes, so it wasn't one man with one vision for one community and one culture. It was, it were, it was ministers and other congregations in the region that have a vision and long prayers for a particular area, and so we felt like we were an answer to their prayers. Um, And then we came and stayed there for about eight years and then felt called to go to the wild and woolly west of Utah. And uh, geographically, Utah is one state removed, Nevada, from California. Mm -hmm. But we had uh, quite a few folks, a constituency, a, a growing congregation from Californians that had moved to the ski slopes and the mountain resorts of Utah. It was there... That we uh, once again, we planted a church, and that church we were blessed not with a strong presbytery, but we were blessed for the Lord sending people out, men and women in their families, who they desired to plant churches. And so we built a strong team as we grew, in this case, to become a church that was actually planting yeah. churches from it. And that was a mark of health that was um, we came to see as one of the health signs for any church, is that they would not only uh, work to see their ministry as fruitful but that that fruit would extend, sure. and that they would have a vision to be a part in any way of yeah. a future church we, we plant. plant
0: Churches to plant churches. Just a, a little sidebar there. Whenever we think about Utah, everybody says it's a big Mormon state. Um, is the area where you were was it, was there a high percentage of Mormons there?
1: Well, one of the one of the scales um, or metrics that we use in church planting is we look and we see what is the the christian presence what is the 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 worshiping evangelical yeah. church's presence that was absent in utah like
0: almost zero
1: almost zero mm. um but we uh, the other metric that we use on the scale is receptivity uh, if we were to go into let's say we went into a particularly um Middle Eastern or Asian uh, culture, there may be very few Christ-honoring churches, if at all, but there also might be a great resistance, uh, even offense, uh, to the gospel, so that it's going to be a much, 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 much slower work. And so what we found in Utah (laughs) was that very thing. We found that there was a need for Christ-honoring churches and new congregations, but there was a great resistance from the population, so were they all...
0: secular or were they religious?
1: They were religious. They would be what we would call
0: Mormon or practicing
1: Mormon. Or, they were. It's interesting that the closer you get to the the headquarters, as it were, of a denomination or a religious belief, the more culturally Christian or culturally okay. uh, they are in their faith. Um, a Mormon in Edinburgh is going to be far more devout and practicing than in Salt Lake City.
0: Okay, that's interesting. It
1: is, it is. And so a lot of secular Mormons, as it were. But new residents, new residents outside of that culture moving in were those that we found to be most receptive for a new congregation, new residents, those that had yet to make their faith choice. And we, we found the Lord leading us to um, minister to them, and to be able to share the gospel in a language and in a manner that was very um, attractive, and it was used by the Holy Spirit to plant not only one, but at the end of our 13 years there, five churches. Great. Okay,
0: so you were in Florida, the Sunshine State, and then you moved out to Utah, and then your last call was in North Carolina and Charleston.
1: Well, it's actually uh, South Carolina. South Carolina, And if it... To be current, uh, I would invite your prayers for your brothers and sisters uh, in Charleston, South Carolina, as they look at uh, the hurricane. You never can get used to hurricanes, but they catch quite a few. Um, Charleston's a harbor city, a port city, a very historic city in the United States uh, by their uh, chronology, but... It has a nickname, and that is the Holy City. Mm-hmm. And we were often asked, after 13 years in Utah, in a land that is was not holy, in a land that wanted for new churches and evangelism and the sharing of the good news of Christ with unbelievers or those that had not heard, why were we moving to a very historically yeah. Christian uh, city of Charleston, where I like to sail a bit, wonderful harbor, you can actually navigate uh, your boat by the number of steeples in the city. So why would we carry and start another church and a new congregation in an area that has quite a few churches? Well, uh, quite a few of those churches were, they had become very cultural. They were uh, very religious but there was, you would not often hear um, the preaching of the gospel, the sharing of the gospel, the good news of the gospel, even in those religious institutions that were there. And we began the church, and a number of believers began to gather with us for the hearing of the gospel and then worship services, and then they began to bring their unbelieving friends. And we grew that way. And so once again, just as we had learned in Utah that a mark of health was going to be not simply to birth a church as we had in Florida, but to be a church that prayed and be a part of reproducing churches. The epiphany, as it were, in Charleston was that the gospel, that, that believers need the gospel As much as unbelievers.
0: Sure, because the gospel is not just the entry point to the Christian life. It is right through the whole Christian life. It's all by grace. That's right. Um, You know, we never just get started off and then we keep going ourselves. You know, it's absolutely... All of Jesus. That's right. Um, moving on just to a, another subject which some of our listeners may be interested in. <clears throat> a, a big thing that we're starting in the Free Church of Scotland and through the Generation Network is coaching. Um, and this is really new to, to the folk in, in Scotland. The idea here is that a group of pastors are being trained to coach other pastors and in our culture this is really new and you know where just now we're training five guys uh, who will be involved in gospel coaching I know Phil that you've been involved in this for a while first of all you know tell us what what
1: is coaching what does it look like well I would tell you that uh, just to start out with uh, two presuppositions that i have and that is that every overwhelmed disillusioned depressed discouraged christian leader needs a coach okay are there any of these people around well that's my second presupposition <laughs> which is that's every leader yeah and so every every leader uh, not just pastors, not just church planters, not just elders, uh, but many spiritual leaders in our congregations need a coach. And a coach is ha- it can have a number of synonyms like a mentor, uh, a counselor, but a coach is a bit different. From both of those. A mentor is an expert who has had great success in their industry, their vocation, or their ministry, and they're speaking to someone and saying, this is how I did it, do it yep. like this. A counselor is coming to someone, let's say they're coming to a church planter who is, is struggling and is facing ministry, has been facing ministry, and there are a number of issues that are coming up, and they're just really beat up, maybe fearful, discouraged. You're coming, a, a counselor would come to them and find them at, let's say, a negative three and try to bring them to a, a positive two or three to help. Yeah. A coach, a coach comes alongside as a minister Uh, Perhaps a senior minister comes alongside a church planter, finds them at a positive six or a positive seven in their ministry and says, let's partner together to move your ministry up, building and capitalizing on those strengths, that calling, your competency and being of every encouragement to face the challenges that they do, that they face every week in ministry, but to not face them alone.
0: Yeah. Can I just say as well that we're hoping to do them certainly with our church planters, but we're also hoping to coach our revitalizers, and we're really wanting to introduce a culture of coaching right across the the denomination. Before you move on, just one question that I've got in, in my mind here. It seems to me that guys that I'm involved with in coaching, the the guys who are really doing well, are open to new ideas, are the guys who are crying out for coaching. Yes. The guys who are maybe struggling are not asking for coaching and are really a little bit reticent about it. I mean, everybody needs a coach, but someone said to me last week, how is it, it seems to me, that guys that don't need it want it, and the guys who, you know, uh, do need it don't want it. Now, I think every one of us needs it, but can you answer that question? Why mm-hmm. is it that some guys are all on board and others are not?
1: Well, I, I suspect two reasons. Um, number one... Um, Where do coaches come from? And if the coach... uh, The coaching... The coach to the coachee has a very personal relationship. So he needs to be a safe person. Sure. He, He cannot... It, it becomes rather difficult if he is, for instance, a senior pastor to an assistant pastor. Uh, that's a difficult relationship. The coachee may not feel safe, and therefore, he doesn't want that. A second reason is, is that the, the coach and in that relationship is going to begin to identify certain issues, certain struggles, it might uh, point out uh, areas that that person needs to grow. It might even point out idols, you know, uh, issues such as a want for approval or comfort or security, looking to the ministry to do that and not looking to the Lord. And again, that person out of pride, perhaps, could say, I don't need a coaching relationship. Mm-hmm. And I also don't want the light coming in to my ministry. Uh, there may be also at that point, I find this the case with many young church planters as I began a relationship, a coaching relationship, uh, which is a an intentional conversation uh, of about an hour every two weeks and i generally start out after we've had our coffee together and 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 gotten caught up and connected then i will inquire what's an obstacle a current obstacle that you're facing in your ministry or what's a current opportunity that you're facing in your ministry yeah, i think
0: the the whole thing is that what we have here is, is a context of a very adult conversation where there's first of all there's complete Confidentiality, yes, and secondly, a degree of empathy because you know the coach is not yes. coming in from a superior position, but here, if it's girls, she is coming in from a a perspective of you know e- equality. You know, I, I've been there. I'm not. I'm not superior, but it's also. You know, Jesus was a great coach in a sense. I'm not mm-hmm. flippant there, <clears throat> because what Jesus did was he asked really pertinent questions. Yes the the man at the pool of Bethesda, do you really want to be well? You know, yeah. Blind Bartimaeus, what is it you want me to do for you? Um, so it's really asking very good questions. And you know, listening genuinely, yes. listening to what the person has to say, and I, I've found you know, and a coach, a good coach is also themselves being coached. Right? They're 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 part of of the process.
1: Right. Where did you? I w- I would be interested because it is a problem finding coaches, mm-hmm. and where does that relationship begin? That I, I once wrote a paper. Uh, and the title of the paper was called Mentoring Men for the Ministry of Church Planting. Mm-hmm. And one of the big questions I sought to answer is, where do you get mentors? Where, where, how does that relationship begin between a coach and a coachee? Who initiates it? Right. And so I'd be curious, uh, you say that you have a coach and have benefited from that relationship. How did that relationship begin? Where did you... Where did you connect?
0: Okay. Uh, this was someone who was not part of my organization, but whom I identified as being a good practitioner. Um, and I meet up with this person on a regular basis, and we just talk about stuff. He will say, What do you want to talk about th- this month? And we'll talk about that. And, you know, I really in, enjoy it. Um, so that was self identified. But we're just starting coaching in the Generation Network just now, and we've trained five, or we are in the middle just now of training five coaches in gospel coaching. And uh, we will then be able, once we're up to a certain level, be able to train others. Now, we will allocate, if people want a coach, we will allocate a coach to them. That may not necessarily be someone that they know all that well. Yes. There is a sense in which it's largely irrelevant and sometimes it's better Mm -hmm. if it's not one of of your pals. In fact, one of the weaknesses in in the mentoring program that we had a few years ago was that it was self-selecting so people tended to ask mentors who would not challenge them. Right. And who would simply go along with their own prejudices. Right. Um, you know, pushback and challenge is difficult. Um, you, know, a, a, you know, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Right. And a good friend is someone who will push against you. I right. mean, my good friends are always <laughs> piercing my not inconsiderable ego, are right. always challenging me. Right. So we we're hoping to just start this culture within the denomination, and that will require great humility, uh, because ministers can be very insular and self centered and not open. We're, we're frightened of accountability. Yes. And we're just frightened sometimes to to bare our souls. Right. We just want, I know it's a bit of a cliche, but we want to provide a safe space for people.
1: I think that's the I think that's the challenge. Um, and that's a that is such a Christ honoring goal. Yeah. I mean, imagine that, David. Yeah. Um, two men, two ministers called by God to serve His bride, and they are meeting to be of every encouragement to one another in a safe place. Yeah, a safe place. Sure.
0: I mean, what 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 is it to lose from that? Nothing. And I mean. We do it maybe once every two weeks, certainly no less than once a month. Uh, it can be one-to-one in a room. We can even do it by video conferencing. It doesn't really matter. How, how, how is it you do
1: it? Well, I normally um, will meet in a coffee shop um, rather than someone's home, and we have a set time. And um, gospel coaching that you had mentioned, which I am uh, – certified as a gospel coach. And, and I love its structured conversation in an hour. It is in the shape of the cross, an acronym where you spend the first, oh, I don't know, five minutes connecting the C. And then the R is we go in that intentional gospel conversation We review the last time we were together, perhaps some action plans that we Mm -hmm. prayed about and we are um, seeking to to find execution on, follow up on those things. Then we move to identifying objectives, the O in the cross chart. And that's where we try to, that's where I will ask the question uh, what are obstacles or what are opportunities? That you're seeing in one of four areas either your own personal life, your own personal walk with Jesus, it could be personal health or relational, it could be a relationship with family or a relationship with another leader or uh, then ministry. Uh, Maybe, and this is frequently where uh, more mature pastors there will be issues about a ministry. Yeah. Um, and then finally, spiritual. Yeah. Um, what is, it, it could be something that is identified as, I want to be more faithful in prayer. There's a level of prayerlessness yeah. that has entered into my life, and that's the objective. And what's identified? Then we will talk, and here's where asking good questions again mm-hmm. is critical. The coach is not there to tell the coachee or the, the fellow pastor what to do, Mm -hmm. but like a good coach is to really encourage them and ask them questions so that they begin to identify strategies that they will own for themselves and uh, go out with an action plan so that when we meet again, we can review those things. The final S of the cross chart is very critical and important we pray together. Supplication. Supplication. Yeah, And I I mentioned earlier that we meet in coffee shops. Now, I have so much to learn about the culture of Scotland and living in a nation that is secular. Um, I'm coming out of the Southeast in America and the land of Chick-fil-A. And no, I'm not trying to market anything here on this podcast but uh, you know it you frequently see people praying together in yeah. restaurants uh, in America but here it's it can be quite distracting and so i have found that i can pray with my eyes open yeah. and i have had coaches or men that i'm working with that i've asked them how they've experienced that where at the end of an hour together where we have been talking very personally with the gospel and how the gospel can transform and change our personal walk or our ministry um we've been talking very very personally and at the end I pray for them and praying with eyes open looking a man in the face they've received that as a benediction yeah amen. and a blessing and they leave very, very encouraged. Challenges remain, but now they have they have hope. They've got a strategy. And again, they know that it's not only on their back because the gospel tells us yeah. that it's the work of Christ and it's by the power of his spirit, but also they're not alone. Yeah.
0: I mean, my, I guess my coaching experience is probably at three levels. I had... Uh, a specific coach for my preaching. This is someone who is really very good uh, preacher nationally known. and he took me under his wing and he's really coached me through that experience. I also have a mentor. Uh, a mentor is is he's a mission director in another organisation uh, whom I really admire. Yes, and you know my my current coach, whom I'm actually meeting at two o'clock today, uh, is in Florida. Um, and just the way, the way it's set up, just now he was appointed to me, so. That's you know yeah. uh, Skype, <clears throat> nor I think a good coaching relationship is you're in the room with the person. Yeah. but uh, you know I would just encourage the guys to to buy into this coaching um, culture.
1: Yeah. I I would be remiss without mentioning um, another group that needs coaching, and that's church planters' wives yeah. and pastors' wives. Um, they can be in many ways the loneliest person on the planet yeah i mean i think
0: i think our our listeners you know a lot of them don't know that here in in generation uh we have a church planting collective where our church planters and their wives get together uh one wednesday a month the, the planters meet here for incubator for the new planters and a collective for those who've been planting uh, on a longer basis. So, I mean, folk often ask me, why do guys go into church planting? <laughs> uh, and they, one of the reasons, you know, they've got no guaranteed salary, they sometimes get no congregation. <clears throat> why would you do that? And the answer is support networks. Yes. They are really supported and they're part of something bigger. Yes. Uh, we're offering that to revitalizers to a certain extent extent, but <coughs> we, we really have to extend this culture to the whole denomination where we care for one another.
1: Right. I think it was, um, and I, I can stand by, corrected by any of the listeners, but I think it was John Owen that said, um, when Satan wants to really deal with a man, he seeks to get him alone. Mm, mm, absolutely. And Isolation. Are uh, uh, any? Uh, if you're planting a church by yourself and alone, that's a dangerous place yeah. to be.
0: And folk very often talk about all this stuff. They say, "Ah, oh, man, we're getting really American and we're getting very corporate. All this is new." If you look, you read, um, you know, Jane Dawson's book, for yes. example, and John Knox. You you read there, you know, the first book of discipline. Um, The origin of the Presbytery was a band of brothers. Yes. You know, Presbyterianism, by definition, is collegiate. Yes. Um, You know, I'm not saying that Presbyterians are the the only show in town, but we've got some distinctives, and it really is to be collegiate, to have fellowship, to have community. Uh, I very often, you know, define Presbyterianism as the Trinity incarnate, because just as you have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in community, so the Church uh, should be like that. And you know, I'm yeah. not, I'm not making a party political point here, but strict independency, uh is just so unbiblical, strict independency, yeah. um, does not reflect the image of God, does not reflect the metaphors of the church being the body. You know, we are, we are in this together.
1: A, a real focus of my ministry is to come alongside of men in the ministry, uh, particularly church planters, but pastors as well, and to, uh, to coach them. And my theme verse is Hebrews 13, 9, where the author and the writer says, it is good to strengthen the heart with grace. And that's the gospel. Yeah, yeah. Just, And we all need that, David. We all need that. Not just ministers, pastors, church planters, church planters, wives, pastors, wives. Every congregate, every one of us who are walking with Jesus Christ, we're not meant. Christianity is not designed to, to walk alone. The last, I, I, I would like to, to state that I read this recently and I, I marvel that John Calvin in his commentary writing about Acts 20, verse 28, where he was, that was where Paul was talking to the elders and prior to departing, he told them, he said, watch both your lives as well as oversee the flock. And here's what John Calvin said. If a leader does not pay careful attention to their sales, that leader is essentially disqualified to pay careful attention yeah, to their wow, flock. Wow. So again, that, that idea of we need others you know, to help us, uh, even to give careful attention to ourselves, our personal life, our ministry, our walk with Christ. So I'm, I'm enthusiastic about being a being placed in Glasgow City Free Church and Glasgow Argyle Presbytery. Great group of men to uh, come alongside. They've given us great opportunities to be of service and encouragement to them. And so it's great to be here.
0: Well, Phil, it's great uh, talking to you today. Uh, we've had a wide-ranging conversation. We've touched on lots of issues. I hope they've been interesting and stimulating to our listeners. Uh, if you are a pastor, get involved in coaching in fact, you know, any Christian, just enjoy fellowship uh, with with one another. Phil, we wish you every blessing in your time in Scotland. Hope it's not too wet for you. <laughs> we uh, look forward to hearing about the, the prosperity uh, as you work from that base at Glasgow City. That Glasgow City right there in St. Vincent Street at the moment becomes a resource church to yes. the wider church and the good folks in Glasgow. So thank you and folks. Have a great day.
1: Thank you, David.